Hi, I'm Kelsey. I'm an IVF warrior and infertility advocate using my platform to spread awareness about infertility. And I'm Elizabeth. I'm a certified fertility coach, life coach, birth and bereavement doula, and new parent educator. I'm here to support and serve the tribe throughout their journey from conception to bringing your baby home and everything along the way. Welcome to the Pretty Little Tribe podcast. Where we talk about the dreams and dilemmas of life, fertility, parenthood, and everything in between. We hope you enjoy this episode. Please make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. Hey there, and welcome back to the Pretty Little Tribe podcast. Today, we are talking with my great friend, Tiffany Paul, and her journey through IUIs, and actually three failed and one successful. And what brought her to IUIs and her fertility journey was PCOS. So today we're going to talk about that journey and what she did to survive through that, as well as all the things in between. So, hey, Tiffany, thanks for being here. Of course, excited to share my journey and know that everybody's is so unique and different. Hopefully my story will feel, make somebody out there feel less alone. Yeah. So when did you find out that you had PCOS? So we started trying just kind of naturally for a year. My period had always been irregular. And I just thought that was like a normal, you know, side effect of being on birth control for so long. So we went the whole first year without success conceiving. And um, after that one year mark, I got tested or, you know, like a checkup by my doctor. And that's when they found that there was cysts and I was diagnosed with PCOS. And so I was excited to have a diagnosis because like so many, they don't have that answer and that can be really frustrating. Um, But at the same time, a lot of the like advice out there was, oh, diet and exercise. And I was like, I was a very healthy person. And so I definitely doubled down on that. Um, But I started incorporating some more like proactive natural approaches at that time, like acupuncture and even just like Reiki to help kind of just clear everything out. So it was at that two year mark that I was diagnosed and, um, it felt good to have a diagnosis, but, um, without later on, I eventually sought out, you know, my medical help, but the, the second year, even having the diagnosis, it just gave me a peace of mind, even though I didn't have success that second year. So was that because of your age that you waited a year to go in or had you talked to any before anyone before that first year? And they said, keep trying for a year and then we'll check you out. How did that all go down? You know, I, I mentioned to my doctor at the six month mark and they were like, you know, that's normal. The average conception time is six months. So come back in a year. And then truthfully, we weren't like, so you know, like desperate for kids at that time. We had just moved to San Francisco. We were loving living in a new city. I had just started a new business on the side of my corporate job. And so we kind of had some things keeping us busy and we're like, all right, you know, we are not in a rush. It's kind of like, you know, you you do that whole, like, oh, we're not for the first six months. We're like, oh, we're not trying, trying or whatever, (laughs) you know, we're not, whatever that is. Not trying. Yeah. Yeah. When the second, the second six months didn't really see a lot of success. That's kind of why it was okay for us to wait one year. Okay. And so did you get on medication with the PCOS after that first diagnosis? What did they say to you at that point? You know, I feel like there actually was a medication. What would be a a common medication that somebody with PCOS would have? Metformin? Yes, it was metformin. (laughs) (laughs) That had side effects like stomach aches. 
Mm-hmm. And then it wasn't helping with whatever it was supposed to be helping with. So that's when I got off of metformin. And then I did some like, that's when I moved to like the herbal supplements and acupuncture from my acupuncturist. And so, and then when that didn't help, that's where at year three, we were like going into the beginning of year three, I was like, I just, I need to, to up level this. And that's when we started having the conversations around the IUI. Okay. And had you been to a fertility doctor before year three, or was this all with your OB previous to that? That was all with my OB. And so okay. we were at that, at that point, we were actually thinking, okay, we're really ready to start a family. Now we were thinking about leaving San Francisco, going down to orange County. So we were like, let's not start a fertility doctor here in this new city. Let's wait till we get settled. Okay. And so we moved to orange County, like three, four months after that decision, found a fertility doctor, uh, you know, had a kind of a second opinion and everything. And he thought that we had John's sperm tested at year two. So they're like, we had him tested again. And then they're like, yep, we would definitely recommend an IUI. You're a good candidate for it. And so at that point we started doing our rounds. So when you were going into the IUI process initially, what was your thought? Did you think like, did you know the statistics around IUI? Were you thinking one and done? We got this. Like, where were you, where were you at mentally with going down that road? I was so excited. I actually loved my IUI journey because for <laughs> the first time, like I felt in control of the situation and I loved being able to, so I was taking Clomid to help with like the ovulation and being able to see on the ultrasound, like the eggs, like there's yeah. actually a fucking egg. Can I swear on this? Okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was so excited because the problem with PCOS is you don't o- ovulate regularly. And then also I was taking ovulation tests and they were often like false positives, which is a really common thing when you have PCOS that like ovulation tests aren't always accurate. So I never knew when I was act- when there was actually an egg in there, when there was ovulating. So it's not only had, not only had I experienced two years of failed pregnancy tests, I literally couldn't even focus in on when to actually try. So I remember the statistics around success rate being like not much higher than like natural sex, I think, unless there was like multiple eggs or whatever. And I was just, again, so happy to be like, at least there's an egg there. And so there's like a focused try. And, um, you know, even having those failed the first three times I still just felt like optimistic because it just felt in my control <laughs> like yeah more my control than it had ever been and then I always knew like that fourth try was going to be our last try and then we would move on to IVF so it just was like a hopeful time and it felt like relieving to have a little bit of control and to be able to see like actual eggs yeah and so when when you're IUIs were not working were you doing them back to back how did you how were you mentally around each time you know was it yeah. like super high because oh my god yeah. there's the egg and then how yeah. this, like where were you with I was definitely back results? to back like let's get it done um I'm like you know type a personality um and so one thing that really helped me this whole time was like I said that year one I had also just started a business I also had my side business kind of going on. And so I think I put a lot of that anxious energy into like my business. Again, the ability to be able to control something outside of my fertility struggles made me a little less anxious and depressed when we 
did have the failed IUI, of course it was sad and devastating, but I always kind of channeled that energy into something I could control. And so oftentimes it was my business or I always had something on the calendar, like a trip or whatever. And so after the first failed IUI, I was like, well, I better get something powerful on the calendar to kind of help my mindset. And so I actually booked a solo trip to Bali. And so that would be kind of between the second and the third, if the second didn't work, or I would go newly pregnant or cancel it or whatever. Um, But so when the second didn't go through, I had that kind of a safety net mentally, if you will, of this solo trip to Bali. So I flew off to Bali by myself with, well, I was meeting other girls there, but by myself. Mm -hmm. And so I was definitely devastated, but I really went out of my way to always have something positive I could put my energy into and travel was often one of those things. I think that's great advice just to be, you know, again, whether it's a business and or travel or both, I feel like having something to focus on other than just this continuous, like stimulating your body and waiting for that two week wait and nothing else in between other than the trying to conceive process, I think is so huge. Do you feel like that affected your marriage too? Because you kind of had something else going on that was other than just that and as well as the question of how did this affect your marriage too so the second question but specifically your willingness to do your own thing in some ways how did how do you think that played into everything yeah I definitely felt like I was in like this self-preservation mode that entire journey so that was like a three-year journey and it was like how could I not feel like a failure, like something's wrong with me. How can I keep my mental spirit, my mental and, and spirit, my mindset and my spirit up. And so it definitely had a effect on our marriage beyond just like, obviously like when a couple struggles to conceive, that's a challenge, but I, there was definitely like a distance between us just because of the fact that I was in such high preservation mode. Like I'm like, I'm doing the business. I'm booking my trip to Bali. And he was so supportive. Don't get me wrong but there was definitely like a distance. And I remember him coming to me and saying, we've always been like a a proponent of like therapy, like just going in for a few sessions whenever something feels weird in our relationship. And he came to me and he was like, I think we need to go back to therapy. Like, I just feel like we're not connecting. And I remember saying to him, like, I just don't have anything else to give. Like, I can't go to therapy with you. I just, I cannot focus on (laughs) saving our marriage, having a baby, building a business and trying to have a baby or, or and keeping myself sane. So it's like myself sane, having a baby and doing a business and my marriage. And so part of that, you had to be like really selfish because I feel like in comparison to some of my other friends, I was doing better mentally, but there's always like, there's no perfect scenario. Right. So I was mm-hmm. in ways doing that at, at a cost of my marriage, but I also was smart enough to know that my marriage was strong enough that it would survive this. I knew that, like Mm -hmm. I knew it was just tough times. And I know that like, I'm a better person if I'm taking care of myself. And even though I wasn't the best wife, like in order to make it through this journey, I needed to like really self-preserve and looking back, it's like the number one thing I'm, I'm so proud of myself for doing. And my husband, of course, understood. And like literally the moment we're pregnant, like all of that tension just kind of melted away. Yeah. Cause for most people, it's all mind consuming. It's all you can think about is yeah. how I'm going to get pregnant. How I'm going to stay pregnant. What's my next strategy of 
becoming pregnant? Like, do I do IUI again? Do I do IPF? Do I do an egg donor? What is it? So I think putting that out there, if really focusing your mind and your energy onto something else, especially this year, I feel like with COVID, with people working from home, it's even easier to get distracted yeah. down the rabbit hole of trying to conceive, right? And Google oh, yeah. all the things about that. And if you're instead being like, I'm going to Google all this stuff about my new business, and that's kind of a side thing. I think that's really helpful to know and or a vacation, right? I'm going to spend my days doing that, which again, in COVID is probably not as how it was previously, but yeah, I just think it's really important to really focus on your own internal growth as well, because eventually that'll catch up to where you're at, right? Once you do yeah. conceive and everything wasn't bundled into that. Yeah. I mean, you're, whatever you're focusing on magnifies, right? So it's like, the more you focus on the misery, the more it's just going to amplify. And like, if you're into manifestation at all, right? Like I, you know, we talked that lingo. It's like, the more you focus on the negative, the more you're just going to feel and amplify that. And this pandemic has felt very similar to kind of that, that time in my life of struggling with um, infertility where everything feels out of control. And so my heart goes out to all of those women who are dealing with two very unknown um, variables, but I also literally use the same tools to get through that. Like this time around, I started a podcast because I'm like, I literally need to put my energy into something I can control. And so my old advice, when I was trying, when I was giving people advice for, you know, getting through infertility was always making sure you have something on the calendar, like just keep living your life. You know, you need to have positive things to focus on, whether that's a trip or, you know, drinks with a girlfriend or a trip to the beach or whatever. And now it's like, couple that with, you need to have like a project that you can literally put your energy on, on, because I've seen how it's helped me not only then, but now it's so that whether that's like a YouTube channel or just an Instagram following a blog, writing for yourself, poetry, like read, you know, redecorating your house, like reorganizing a side business, whatever it is, like creating something that you can put positive energy towards helps you pull the focus away from the negative and put that anxious energy, especially into something positive and it makes you feel like you're in control. And for me, like just digging in a little bit deeper and going deeper in case this feels like, um, somebody else can relate. I grew up in a childhood that was like very chaotic feeling. So this pandemic and that time in my life was very triggering to feel like out of control. So it's like a coping mechanism I've always had is like working and doing things to feel better. And so you could look at that as like a negative thing. I've talked to my therapist about that. And she's like, you know, people develop negative coping mechanisms and they develop positive coping mechanisms. And so you're going to find a way to cope no matter what you might as well make it a positive coping mechanism. So Mm -hmm. I'm very aware that I do that. And sometimes that can like mask emotions or, you know, you don't want to overlook the pain you're feeling or make sure you're not like addressing the issues that you're having with a therapist, but like, it is a really good coping mechanism to have something that you can literally physically control. Absolutely. And I think when, with you talking about creating these things, the creativity is femininity, right? So you are birthing something else. It may not be, you know, conceiving a child at that moment, but you birthed a company, sleeper scarf, you birthed a podcast, the dream Mm -hmm. life you've, you know, all of these things I think are still a way of bringing in femininity and into our 
orbit, so to speak, when you are trying to conceive because I, that's why I always like to use the word fertility instead of infertility, because we have the ability to be fertile in lots of ways Mm -hmm. other than just having or carrying a child, right? We can build things, we can create things and keeping that in mind that even though you're doing the you know, trying to have your baby on the side, you're also creating and building and birthing all these other things. So I think that that, you know, reframing almost that control, so to speak, Mm -hmm. because yeah, it is into creating. Yes. I love that reframing. (laughs) I'm here for it. We're all reframing (laughs) these challenges these days, but seriously, I'm, that's such a good layer and add on because it is just literally the energy of creating and that gives you that feeling of control, which is a coping mechanism, but the actual joy you get from it is in the creation. Yeah. Because sometimes I feel like control gets a negative connotation <laughs> yeah. and, and I, to each their own, I like, yeah. you know, Tiffany and I are friends. So she knows I like to have control of things as well. Yeah. And that's again, from our, our childhoods most likely of why we feel the need to do that. But regardless of that, it's still in this area of trying to conceive, there are so many things that are out of our control. So controllables, create what you can create and really look at that intentionally of you are showing up in the world as creating something as your fertility and, and feminine and all of those things that go along with it. So, yeah. So after you had your third one and you said you knew your fourth one was going to kind of be it, did you go into your fourth with a different perspective than your first knowing like, okay, we've been down this road. I know the reality of this now. Were you still as hopeful on number four as you were at number one, two, and three? Yeah, I think I was still hopeful. Um, I think just having that backup of IVF, um, Again, my heart goes out to people who, who reach that part, right? Because I always had that net, right? And then once you're in like the net, you're like, well, fuck, you know? So it is, it is. I still was, I'm just a naturally optimistic person as well. And again, mm-hmm. like just feeling like I had that plan, right? I felt comfortable yeah. with like, this, if this one's not going to work, we're going to move on to that. And then I, I also booked the trip to Vegas <laughs> <laughs> the week after the fourth IUI. Because I was like, I just cannot sit home in this anxious energy yeah. because uh, again it's not that I wasn't feeling them it's just that I was redirecting that energy into projects and travel and keeping my mm-hmm. schedule busy with girlfriends that I just wasn't living in it because the more you live in it the more it amplifies like I mentioned earlier so we, tripped, mm-hmm. we booked this trip to Vegas we're like we're just going to do pool parties and dance even though like we're not going to drink and I, th- I just think that was again helpful to have this mindset around just like life goes on beyond just waiting for the results. Um, mm-hmm. And I just feel like that round was very hopeful for me. I remember it being like, you know, cause you have to right? you have to get your hopes up. Yeah. The alternative is like, you can keep your hopes down. But then you like get your, you like miss it on that moment to be excited. Like I wasn't willing to sacrifice being excited just in case it wouldn't work. Like it is very crushing. Like I know what it's like to every single time be like, this is going to be the time. And I fucking have stared at 20, probably negative pregnancy tests, you know, and investing that time and money on the IOIs and it not working. And it's crushing, especially when you kind of let yourself get your hopes up. But I was like, I made a commitment to myself that like, I'm going to be excited and optimistic. And that round specifically, I think there was like two eggs that were like really strong. And then there was like a possible third and possible fourth, you know, because the sperm live longer and they're like, 
I would almost cancel the round, but it's up to you. And I was like, hell no, like bring on the, like the, whatever, <laughs> like what quadruplets. Is, what, quadruplets yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I remember being like, no, bring in all the babies, like risk it all. <laughs> like, um, and then we ended up getting pregnant that round with one. And, you know, that was super exciting and just a huge blessing and just like a wait, you know, the moment you get that positive pregnancy test, you know, it's just like that, that sigh of relief until like a couple of weeks later, you're like, is it going to stick? But we were, you know, we, we did have a successful pregnancy with, with Cameron and um, we named him, his middle name, Gray and our second daughter, which we can get into. Um, we named her Liv because the advice that literally got us through that whole journey was that you have to keep living through the gray. And that is, that needed to be represented in their names because no matter what you're living through, whether it be fertility or this pandemic, there are always going to be like challenges and great, great moment. And it's so easy to just like want to like crawl into bed and give up, throw your hands in the air and stop living your life because it just feels too hard or the things that you used to love don't feel as fun or joyful anymore. But the alternative is way worse. And so why we all have those days sitting in bed and, you know, feeling like crap and depressed it's like, you have to get up the next day and put something on your calendar to keep living your life, your life. I love that so much. And again, most people feel like knowing the statistics of IUI, they, they're not sure if that's the right route to go. Yeah. And yet at the same time, everybody hopes that IUI will be the route that they can go and they don't have to go through IVF. And so I think this is such a great story of just trying to stay positive and not only trying, but you did stay positive through mm-hmm. that, which, you know, you can have that negative outcome, but either way you can either get through it on the negative side or the positive side, but the outcome is still going to be the outcome, right? So we can yeah. make the choice of how we want to get through that. And I think it's really cool that you were able to, to have focus on other things while you were trying to stay hopeful during that time. And the other side of hope on this is not only did Tiffany get pregnant with IUI, but she has her daughter live who she just mentioned and tell us a little bit about how that went down after you had Cameron. Yeah. First off you met, you knew baby Cameron, how he was just like the best baby ever. He like slept perfectly. He just <laughs> chilling and we're like, this baby thing's so easy better. And it took so long to conceive. We better like start on a second baby. And then it was like the third month in we found out we were pregnant and um, you know, I, my periods were regular. So I had missed periods and we were actually found out at month three, but she was like six weeks along. So basically like we got pregnant right away and naturally with Liv, which was just like so crazy. And so there's 17 months apart, I believe 15 months. Everyone always asks me that and for some reason. I don't know, but they're always like, are they twins? I'm like, no, Liv's just in the 99th percentile. Um, but yeah, I got pregnant right away naturally. And to be honest, like I've never gone back to the doctor, but I, I'm pretty sure you can't cure PCOS, but my period is still so irregular. Like I get it four times a year. So I don't know that like, it's not like I had the baby and I just didn't have PCOS and I went back to normal, but like, you know, you get on that right say that right time with the right ovulation and it happened, you know? Yeah. And so the reason that I bring that up too, is because we all hear those stories, right? Like your body knows what it's doing now. And so it did it again and all of that. And I think that sharing those just gives people hope that, you know, this doesn't necessarily mean that this is how it's going to be 
all the time for the rest of your life trying to have kids, right? It is possible that it can, you know, almost accidentally happen. Yeah. It was like literally three years and three months, you know? Yeah. And so now that you have your two littles and you're kind of on the other side of this, when you hear or see, and I know you have some friends going through it now, what, like, where do you, what's your advice to people that are going through it? And now that you're on the other side of it, and do you feel like this kind of defined you in some ways, or do you feel like, no, I mean, I, that was just a, a chapter in my life and, and now I'm through it. Um, parts. First, I would say that like, even as it was happening, I always tried to look to it and say, how could this be happening for me? And I just really, I've never been like a very patient person. Mm -hmm. And I was just always thinking, wow, this is going to help me become such a patient mother. And I really do believe it, it fostered such great patience in me. So First, I want to just uh, maybe mention that it's like, there's always something you're learning and growing probably in this hardship and you're going to emerge stronger. Um, but my advice would be similar to kind of what you were asking in the question is that um, the advice I would give is that you're so much more than just this, um, you know, challenge. And to remember that it's the same as like when you become a mom and you sometimes see women kind of lose themselves in motherhood and you hear like, I kind of don't know who I am anymore. And you know, the really easy way to pull yourself out of that, not like pull yourself out of that, but give you perspective around that is like, who were you before you were a mom? Who were you before you started trying for this baby? Like that you are actually the same exact person. You just have, are not in touch with them. Just like my husband and I had that little kind of distance between us because we weren't putting attention on each other. Same goes to yourself. When you Mm -hmm. have, you have to put so much energy into this process. And I understand that. But don't forget that like you are a person outside of what you're going through. And so bringing that perspective around anything you're going through, just remember it's something you're going through. It doesn't define you, whether even your job, right? It's like, I am a business owner, but like the success of my business doesn't make me a success necessarily if I'm a horrible person or if my business fails, I'm not a failure. It's just something that I do. And so just having that perspective around Um, who we actually are and like our heart and our soul, the essence of what makes us us is so far beyond just the things we have, whether that be a baby, a house, a job. And so just coming back to who you are, it's a really good um, exercise to do now so that when you do have kids, you can really stand firm. And this is who I am. And I know how to take care of myself and put my, you know, put energy into making sure that I, my cup is full so I can give to others because the same way I had to take care of myself, that fertility journey, I now take care of myself as a mother. And now, you know, my child is four and two, almost three. And, you know, I, I've never felt like I've lost myself in motherhood. I've, I've very much felt like I know who I am and I really prioritize taking care of myself and booking that time with girlfriends or booking that trip or writing you know, that book on the side or creating that podcast. Mm-hmm. It's like, there's always something I'm doing for myself because I just had to do it for so long. And so that's my advice because it's advice that gets you through this tough time. And I think it really transfers on to um, when you have kids. Yeah. And I think to that point as well, to add on to that is they, right now, the, the communities are so amazing around infertility and all the things you like, you can social media, Instagram, Facebook, whatever, there's always places and 
you can find other women going through it. However, mm-hmm. that then kind of starts to define you as like, that's all I'm living and breathing right now. Mm-hmm. And I think it's good to sometimes take that social media diet from that community and see who are the other people that I want to be like, right? Totally. Where Where's the rest of the people that who I am about really to my core, you know, whether that's a spiritual line or whatever it may be, Yeah. also giving yourself equal time. So if I'm going to spend time with this community and identifying with the fertility group, I'm also going to find my people on the other side who have nothing to do with that, because on the other side of this, I'm still going to be Tiffany Paul and Elizabeth King. And, and that's going to be so important. So reminding yourself when you're in the thick of it, of like taking a step back and saying, where do I want to surround myself with like-minded people that I want to expand and be like too, I think is really important because we get so caught up in like the scrolling through everybody's Mm -hmm. stories of what's happening. So yeah, I feel like, yeah, I feel like Um, I heard somebody say this before too, with like, even like my business where sometimes, you know, like there's a lot of entrepreneurs out there. And like, I mentioned that it's like a possible way to like channel your energy into something good. And sometimes you hear like your, my friends, or I'll say this, it's like, everybody's like a life coach. Everybody's a a manifesting expert. Everybody is a, and it's like, no, actually you were just in that, you're so immersed in that community that you forget there's actually a bazillion other jobs out there and a bazillion other kinds of coaches. You're just so immersed in that that you kind of forget to take yourself out of that. And remember like, oh yeah, there are veterinarians and librarians <laughs> and I don't know, <laughs> everybody's doing the thing you're doing. And again, that's can be very supportive at times, but sometimes you have to take a step back and have like that, like big, bigger picture view. And then always be like checking in with yourself energetically and asking, is this serving me? And am I getting, is it energizing being in this community or is it draining? Maybe there's times you have to take a break from the community or mute certain stories. And then especially like during this process, like energetically, it takes a lot from you. So it's like, as long as that community is serving you, then immerse yourself in it. But at the moment it starts to become all consuming or draining, I think that's a really good call out that, you know, only you know what you need. And sometimes there's the other side of it that we don't talk about it as much because connection is so important and support is so important, but it can have a negative effect as well. For sure. I always say we're, we are writing our own story, right? So mm-hmm. it doesn't really matter what everybody else is doing. It's what we're doing and how we're showing up. And I love sure. how you say that this is happening for you instead of yeah. to you. Cause so much, it's so easy to get into that mindset when you're in it of like, for sure, not the victim necessarily, but like, why, why can't it just be easier? Why, for sure. why is this happening? And so reframing that to see like this is happening for me and, and looking at that opportunity of, of, which I know, I trust me, I know that it's hard to dig deep to that when you're in it to say mm-hmm. that there's a reason for that, but always mm-hmm. just having that back of your mind of this is happening for me is, is a really good way to think. Yeah. And I think the thing about any challenge is like, you're, I feel like your, your brain naturally, and we as humans, we're always going to be like, I feel like we're all going to always compare. I think I don't, I haven't met anybody out there who doesn't compare. I think it's just being aware that you're doing it and how it might be hindering you. You know, it's like with the 
pregnancy stuff, you know, it's like, it feels really good when you're like, oh, I'm not alone in this struggle, but it can be painful sometimes when somebody else has the positive pregnancy test or the positive IUI or positive IVF, and then you didn't get it. And then you're like, well, why is this happening to me? So I think it's really important to kind of pull yourself out, you know, talk about being like a neutral observer where it's like, you're observing your own thoughts about the situation and are they helpful or hurtful? Because I think it's so natural to have that first thought be like, why is this happening to me and comparing? Cause I know I do that with like business. I'm like, why did she get into this retailer or the or podcast? And it's like, Oh, you just launched this podcast and you have got this guest or whatever. And then I'm like, looking, that's my first thought. But then the second thought is like observing how that's like not a helpful thought and being mm-hmm. like, okay, do I need to unfollow this person? Do I need to just remind myself that new, no two journeys are different? Do I need to reframe a positive into a negative? Like, what do I need to do here to like help me boost that energy so it's like we're all going to have those first negative thoughts but I think what we can have control over is the second positive thought or doing something positive to like move that energy like physical activity or getting outside or doing something fun or that we love absolutely and that kind of goes back to the mental health too I feel like that is so important that you keep referring to all these things that you did that really hold yourself up to that mental health by keeping things on the calendar and having a separate thing, like all of that stuff fed into not putting your life on hold during this process of trying to conceive and, and taking care of your own mental health through it, which I think we get so caught up in this process that that is such good reminders. And a takeaway from this is you don't need to put your life on hold, even though you're going through this book, the Mm -hmm. trip, start the business, do all the things, go for the promotion, like literally don't put your life on hold. Yeah, absolutely. And these are skills you're going to use your whole life, you know, like forever more, you will have challenges because that's called life. And so the more you can learn to take care of your mental health now, move anxious energy, find ways to like reframe situations and reach for like joy and positive experiences, you're going to have a better quality of life the rest of your life. Yes. Which is why my podcast is. I was just going to say that. (laughs) I was just going to say that. So Tiffany, can you tell us a little bit about your podcast? Because I think that will help be helpful for a lot of women and men who are listening that are going through this journey because it's such, so inspirational for a lot of people. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So it's the dream life podcast. And it really touches on like a lot that we've talked about today, where it's like, let's get real about those big dreams that we have, whether it be for the baby or for the business. And let's get real about the ups and downs along the way. So it's really a podcast that I started to just get real because we do compare and we do feel bad about ourselves. We do have self-limiting beliefs. I don't think anybody is immune from that, especially when you're reaching for big things because you're going outside your comfort zone, it's new territory. So maybe people in safe zones, not trying for anything in their lives, maybe their life is like cool. But like, if you're reaching for something more, you're going to like hit that feeling, you're going to have those down days. So I created this podcast just to keep it real, especially during these challenging times. And I'm an entrepreneur, I'm a mom, wife, and I've been through challenges like infertility. And I just wanted to have conversations. You, You and I had an episode, which is really great. So it's like with different people going through different dreams on their heart and like getting real about the journey. And I think that we can use more real in this like crazy day that we live in. Sometimes it's like, what is real and what is fake? You know, especially on Instagram, it's like, can we just have a safe space where we're just like being honest about like, I am attaching my worthiness to the success of this business or the success of, you know, this baby. And just like hearing somebody else say that just makes you feel less alone. So that's why I created it for myself as much as for like the community. 
Yeah, it's amazing. You guys should check it out. So where can everybody find you, Tiffany? So you can find me um, anywhere you get your podcast at Dream Life with Tiffany Paul. And you can follow me personally at uh, Tiffany N. Paul or um, the Dream Life podcast. And then I also am the founder of a curated sleep marketplace. And we put together all of my favorite things for sleep. And this was actually sparked during pregnancy when I had like huge trouble sleeping, huge insomnia. And um, so I put together some of my favorite things. So you can find um, those at thesleplife.com. And the number one seller is our weighted eye masks. We've been in Vogue and we just got into Urban Outfitters. So that's super calming and relaxing if you need a moment of zen amongst all the craziness going on. Absolutely. Yes. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Tiffany. Thank I'm you. So glad we got so to do this today. Yeah. Yes, and everybody go check out Elizabeth's Dream Life podcast episode because that was a good chat as well, just as friends. I love that. Yeah, that was a good, really fun. All right, we'll talk to you soon, Tiffany. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Pretty Little Tribe podcast. You can find us on Instagram at Pretty Little Tribe. And if you related to this episode, take a screenshot and hashtag Pretty Little Tribe because we want to see those in our DMs so then we can share them in our story too and give you some love back. Of course, if you have a topic idea or want to be on the podcast, email us at prettylittletribe at gmail.com. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. Thanks again for joining your tribe today and we will see you next time.